0: Second Peter, we're in second Peter. We'll do uh, uh, one more uh, lesson next week on uh, uh, chapter two, and then we'll move on to chapter three. False teachers and false prophets in their greed, they will exploit you with false words. Their judgment from long ago is not idle. Their destruction is not asleep. For if God did not spare angels when they sinned, but cast them into hell and committed them to pits of darkness, reserved for judgment, and did not spare the ancient world, but preserved Noah, a preacher of righteousness, with seven others when he brought a flood upon the world of the ungodly. And if he condemned the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah to destruction by reducing them to ashes, having made them an example to those who would live ungodly lives thereafter, and if he rescued righteous Lot, oppressed by the sensual conduct of unprincipled men, for for by what he saw and heard that righteous man while living among them, Felt his righteous soul tormented day after day by their lawless deeds. Then the Lord knows how to rescue the godly from temptation and to keep the unrighteous under punishment for the day of judgment. Especially those who indulge the flesh in its corrupt desires and despise authority, daring self will, they do not tremble when they revile angelic majesties. Whereas angels who are greater in might and power do not bring a reviling judgment against them before the Lord. But these, like unreasoning animals, born as creatures of instinct to be captured and killed, reviling where they have no knowledge, will in the destruction of those creatures also be destroyed, suffering wrong as the wages of doing wrong. They count it a pleasure to revel in the daytime. Their stains and blemishes reveling in their deceptions as they carouse with you, having eyes full of adultery that never cease from sin, enticing unstable souls, having a heart trained in greed... "'accursed children, forsaking the right way, "'they've gone astray, having followed the way of Balaam, "'the son of Beor, who loved the wages of unrighteousness, "'but he received a rebuke for his own transgression. "'For a mute donkey, speaking with a voice of a man, "'restrained the madness of the prophet. "'These are springs without water and mist driven by a storm, "'for whom the black darkness has been reserved.' For speaking out arrogant words of vanity, they entice by fleshly desires, by sensuality, those who barely escape from the ones who live in error, promising them freedom while they themselves are slaves of corruption. For by what a man has overcome, by this he is enslaved. So a long passage there tonight, but it was hard to find a break in that to divide it up. It was all kind of about the same thing. I'm going to take my hearing aids off. Not that I don't want to hear you when it's over. I'll put them back on. But uh, they fight with this sound system. So am I on? You can hear me? Good. Okay. Here we go. Number one, we are created by God as eternal beings. We're created by God as eternal beings. That means when God, us people, are created by him, we never cease to exist. Good, bad, or ugly. It doesn't matter. We are eternal beings by the very fact that we have been created in in the image and likeness of God with a spirit. We will not cease to exist when we die. We don't simply turn into dirt. So it's an interesting conversation I have often with people that are not believers. And when I ask the question, what do you think happens to you when you die? And I hear Over and over, people, they don't know. They don't know. But they simply say, well, just like a squash plant, just disintegrates and turns to dirt. Do you really believe that? They don't. Uh, Because God has put in every person a sense, uh, a knowledge an intuitiveness that we are eternal. Ecclesiastes 3.11, he has also set eternity in their heart. God has put eternity in our heart in the sense that we know that we will never cease to exist. We know that. Now, we'll deny it because we don't know what's going to the future holds. so it's an easier thing to do than it is to try to figure out where am I headed after I die. We'll just pretend like I turned to dirt and it doesn't matter. Romans one nineteen through twenty, because that which is known about God is evident within them within them, for God made it evident to them. God put things in us. We're born with it. For since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes, his eternal power, his divine nature, have been clearly seen, being understood through what has been made, so that they are without excuse. Number two, God created us as an act of his will. God chose to create me. He chose to create you as an act of his will because this desire to have children like himself who would live with him, fellowship with him forever. We've gone over that before. Uh, i talked about way back in the past when nothing existed but the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Not an angel, not an Adam, not a star, nothing. Everything's been created except the Trinity and they decided we want to have a family as it were. And so, um, man was created, Genesis 1, God said, let us make man in our image, in our image, like us, according to our likeness. Let them rule over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the sky, over the cattle, over the earth, over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. God created man in his own image, in the image of God, he created him male and female. Isaiah 64, 8. But now, O God, o, but O Lord, you are our Father. We, you are our Father. We are the clay and you are the potter and all of us are the work of your hand. All of us are the work of your hand. John seventeen twenty four. Father, I desire, I desire, this is Jesus speaking, I desire that they also whom you have given me be with me where I am, that they would be with me where I am so that they may see my glory which you have given me for you love me before the foundation of the world. So Jesus wants us to be with him to live with him forever and ever and ever. Number 3, we were created with the freedom to choose to love God or not. Last night was trunk or treat here in our parking lot and I had a 5-gallon bucket full of candy bars of oh, I don't know. There must have been 15 different kinds of candy bars. And so the the kids walk up with their little buckets and their bags. And they look in my bucket, and their mom or their dad is with them, or both, and they will say to them, take one, and then I say, oh, you can have two. No, you can have three. Now, there's a lot of choices there. Which one shall I take? And the dad will say, get the Snickers, get the Snickers. And then they start rummaging through because there's certain kinds they like and they get those. But choosing, choosing. You know what I can choose? Because I am created by God in his image. I can choose what I do. And that ability to choose is critically important to me moving in the direction of God in character. If I couldn't choose, I wouldn't grow. He wants me to grow, so he gave me the freedom, the power, the ability to choose what I do, how I act, where I go, what I say. Uh, Acts seventeen twenty six, And he made from one man, that's Adam, every nation of mankind to live on all the face of the earth, having determined their appointed times and the boundaries of their habitation that they would seek God, that they would seek God, if perhaps they might grope for him and find him, though he is not far from each one of us. For in him we live and move and exist, as even some of your own poets have said, for we also are his children. Being then the children of God, we ought not to think that the divine nature is like gold or silver or stone, an image formed by the art and thought of man. Therefore, having overlooked the times of ignorance, God is now declaring to men that all people everywhere should repent because he has fixed a day in which he will judge the world in righteousness through a man whom he has appointed, having furnished proof to all men by raising him from the dead. Deuteronomy chapter 30, verse 15. See, I have set before you today, this is God speaking, I have set before you today life and prosperity and death and adversity, in that I command you today to love the Lord your God, to walk in his ways, to keep his commandments and his statutes and his judgments, That you may live and multiply and that the Lord your God may bless you in the land where you are entering to possess it. But if your heart turns away and you will not obey, but are drawn away and worship other gods and serve them, I declare to you today that you shall surely perish. You will not prolong your days in the land where you are crossing the Jordan to enter and possess it. And so he begins his passage by saying, I have set before you today life and prosperity and death and adversity. You choose. You choose. You decide. Number four, in order for us to be like God in character, we had to be able to grow in character, which required us to be able to choose and respond. So if you're thinking <clears throat> thinking about this, way back in the beginning, God's planning this whole, this whole thing, all the history we have, And he says, okay, we want beings that are like us, who will love us, who will fellowship with us, who will enjoy us, and we will enjoy them. They have the capacity to become like us as they grow. The only way that can happen is they have to be able to choose. And if we give them that choice, they will, many of them, choose poorly. What are we going to do? If you can bring God down to our level of thinking as it were for a bit, what are we going to do? How are we going to solve that problem? of people choosing not to love us? <clears throat> Luke 2: 252, Jesus kept increasing in wisdom and stature and favor with God and man. So Jesus, as a man, he grew, He changed. Hebrews 6.1 Therefore leaving the elementary teaching about the Christ let us press on press on to maturity not laying again a foundation of repentance from dead works and faith toward God press on towards maturity that's a choosing a choosing, a pursuit number five with the freedom to choose there would be sin that's a given and God solved that problem by entering into our world and becoming just like us, except he had no sin nature, he, Jesus, was tempted in every way as I have been, as you are. Yet, in spite of the temptations, he lived a perfect life. And then he died for us and paid the penalty of our sins. He died for us, took our place. He was our substitute and he paid the price of my sin so that i could be forgiven 1 corinthians 15:3 i delivered to you as of first importance of first importance what i also received that christ died died for our sins according to the scriptures 1 peter 3:18 christ also died for our sins once for all the just for the unjust so that he might bring us to god having been put to death in the flesh but made alive in the spirit Romans 5, 8, God demonstrates his own love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Much more than having now been justified by his blood, we shall be saved from the wrath of God. We shall be saved from the wrath of God because of our sin through him. Number six, those who do choose to love God are part of his family and will live with him forever. So there's lots of discussions about Okay, John three sixteen. Whoever believes in Jesus, and often we don't know what that word believe means. Does it mean giving intellectual assent to a historical fact? Is there something more to believing in Jesus than simply accepting something to be true? There is. And so, for me, when I talk to people about their relationship with Jesus, I use the word love. I don't ask them, "Do you believe in Jesus?" I ask them, "Do you love Jesus?" Do you love Jesus? It says a whole lot more, and it includes a lot more information about their walk and relationship with Jesus if they say, yes, I love Jesus. <clears throat> Ephesians 6, 24, Grace be with those who love our Lord Jesus Christ with incorruptible love. 1 Corinthians 16, If anyone does not love the Lord, he is to be Accursed. Accursed. Matthew twenty two thirty seven. he said to him, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the great and foremost commandment. You shall love Jesus with everything you have. Some choose to love him and some choose not to. Number seven, those who choose to love Jesus will have the joys, the privileges, the rewards in heaven as God's children. Last night, there were 1.8 million kids that went through our parking lot. <laughs> or so it seemed. There was a lot of them. I mean, there was kids everywhere. Walking by, trunk or treating. I'm doling out candy, filling up my bucket, doling out candy, filling up my bucket. And, uh, and uh, I was nice to them. But... There came a point when the kid that stood in front of me was my grandson. He got way more candy than the others did. I said, "Come back, get you some more." Really? Yeah. Bring another bucket. In fact, take this bucket. I'll take yours. And then my granddaughter came by. Man, I really loaded her up. Um, they're my favorites. And so, uh, children of God, by faith, by choice, who follow, who love Jesus, someday we will be in glory with him, and it is incomprehensible all that he is going to pour into us as his children with him for all eternity. Psalm 1611, Your presence is fullness of joy. Your right hand, there are pleasures forever. Psalms 21, 6. For you make him most blessed forever. You make him joyful with gladness in your presence. Number eight. What about those who choose not to follow the Lord? To do their own thing. What is God supposed to do with them? So, you've heard this. I've heard it a lot. How can a God of love send someone to hell forever? So, if you were in charge of coming up with the strategy and plan, what would you do? He has to give choice in order to have growth and character, the choosing to love him, to follow him, but there are those who would choose not to do. What's your plan? Turn him to dirt? Just. Pfft. Even God can't violate his own creation. And when he created beings with a spirit that's eternal, it's eternal. So now you have these individuals who refuse to follow Jesus, won't love Jesus, do their own thing, run their own life. And so people say to me, how can a God of love send a person to hell forever? What would you do with them?" What plan would you come up with? Matthew twenty five forty one. Then he will also say to those on his left, Depart from me, accursed ones, into the eternal fire which has been prepared for the devil and his angels. 2 Thessalonians 1, 9. These will pay the penalty of eternal destruction away from the presence of the Lord, from the glory of his power. They'll pay the penalty of eternal destruction, eternal destruction forever and ever and ever, away from the presence of the Lord, no joy, and from the glory of his power. Now, understand, this is not an issue. Okay, you were so bad, you are a terrible, rotten individual, you're going to hell. Nothing to do with that. It has everything to do with the fact that Jesus died to pay the penalty of the sin that all of us have earned by our sin. He paid that penalty, and the only way that it applies to you is if you accept that gift and follow him and love him. And so it's a free gift. It's not an issue of the fact that uh, they couldn't make it. It's just a matter of whether they're going to follow Jesus and love him or whether they're going to do their own thing. Number nine, hell as a, as a place of torture was created by God primarily for Satan and his demons. <clears throat> they just have to share it. Second Peter 2 Peter 2.4 For if God did not spare angels when they sinned, but cast them into hell, committed them to pits of darkness reserved for judgment. Number 10. For those who are sent to hell, will be, there will be degrees of punishment based on the judgment of, the great, of God at the great white throne judgment. <clears throat> I remember the first time I heard this truth. Because I'd never heard it before, I just hell they go to hell and and they cook and fry and that's what it is. But there are actually levels. I would agree. There, I suspect there's quite a few different levels of punishment, of based on how they do live their life. Matthew 10:14 Whoever does not receive you nor heed your words as you go out of that house or that city shake the dust off your feet truly I say to you it will be more tolerable it'll be more tolerable for the land of Sodom and Gomorrah in the day of judgment than for that city more tolerable easily suggest levels of judgment Matthew 11.20, then he began to denounce the cities in which most of his miracles were done because they did not repent. Woe to you, Chorazin, woe to you, Bethsaida. For if the miracles had occurred in Tyre and Sidon, which occurred in you, they would have repented long ago in sackcloth and ashes. Nevertheless, I say to you, it will be more tolerable for Tyre and Sidon in the day of judgment than for you. And you, Capernaum, will not be exalted to heaven, will you? You will, be, you will descend to Hades. For if the miracles had occurred in Sodom, which occurred in you, it would have remained to this day. Nevertheless, I say to you that it will be more tolerable to the land of Sodom on the day of judgment than for you. Revelation chapter 20, verse 11. Then I saw a great white throne. This is chapter 20. There's 22 chapters in the book, so we're almost to the end of 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 the story of the book of Revelation. He said, I saw a great white throne, and him who sat upon it, from whose presence earth and heaven fled away, No place was found for them. And I saw the dead, the great, and the small standing before the throne. Books were opened. And another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged. The dead were judged from the things which were written in the books according to their deeds. They were judged according to their deeds. The sea gave up the dead which were in it, and death, and Hades gave up the dead which were in them, and they were judged, every one of them, according to their deeds." Then death and Hades were thrown into the lake of fire. This is the second death, the lake of fire. And if anyone's name was not found written in the book of life, he was thrown into the lake of fire. You get your name written in the book of life by trusting in Jesus, by loving Jesus Christ, following him. But the rest, they're judged. And then they're someplace in the whole scheme of things. Now, that's an interesting bit of truth. It makes me feel a little better about some people I know that are pretty good but have no room for Jesus. But hell is hell. Low or high. And it doesn't really matter to me. It's an interesting bit of information because I'm not going there. I'm not going there. But I like the thought that there is some what you... We'll use the word justice in the sense of what people experience by the life they've lived. Number 11, those who will receive more severe punishment will be false teachers and prophets. The ones who receive the most severe punishment will be those who are the reason for others being there. So if you're not going to trust in Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, you're going to try to work your way there. Make sure you don't teach any false stuff. Otherwise, you're going to be on the bottom. You don't want to be down there with the devil. Second Peter 2, 3. False teachers and false prophets, and their greed will exploit you with false words. Their judgment from long ago is not idle. Their destruction is not asleep. For if God did not spare angels when they sinned, but cast them into hell and committed them to pits of darkness reserved for judgment... And so false teachers um, are not going to do well at the great white throne judgment. Number 12, hell will be a place of torment, though some will have much more torment than others based on God's righteous judgment. Number of years I was teaching uh, this material uh, to a bunch of high school students. And one of the students came up and said, Pastor D, I've trusted Jesus as my personal Savior, so I don't really need to listen to all that stuff. I don't need to learn any of that stuff because I'm not going to be there anyway. I said, yes, you do. He said, why? Two reasons. One is, Romans chapter 9 says that you will be praising and thanking the Lord for where you're going when you learn about where you could have gone had it not been what Jesus did for you on the cross. And the second thing is, we tend not to be very motivated in our witnessing to lost people. We tend to think, well, they're just getting what they deserve. It's our responsibility to share the gospel with people who don't know Jesus. There is no plan B. It's the church does it or nobody. They hear it from us or they don't hear it. And so they in a sense become victims to our faithfulness, our obedience to being a witness for Jesus. Luke 16:22 Now the poor man died was carried away by the angels to Abraham's bosom. And the rich man also died and was buried. In Hades he lifted up his eyes being in torment And he saw Abraham far away and Lazarus in his bosom. And he cried out and said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me and send Lazarus so that he may dip the tip of his tongue in water and cool off my tongue, for I am in agony. I am in agony in this flame. Thirteen, hell will be a place absent of God, therefore absent of joy. It will be a place absent of God. Therefore, absent of joy, he is the source of joy. He is the giver of joy. Psalms 88 is a prophecy of hell. I'm reckoned among those who go down to the pit. I become like a man without strength, forsaken among the dead, like the slain who lie in the grave. Whom you remember no more. They are cut off from your hand. You put me in the lowest pit, in dark places. In the depths, your wrath has rested upon me. You have afflicted me with all your waves. You have removed my acquaintances far from me. You have removed my acquaintances far from me. Somebody said to me, I might as well go to hell. All my friends are going to be there. I said, You know, it's not going to be a party. You have removed my acquaintances far from me. You have made me an object of loathing to them. I am shut up and cannot go out. My eye has wasted away because of affliction. Number 14, hell will be a place of darkness. 15, hell will be a place of aloneness. It said that if you want to Punish someone severely, put them in solitary confinement. Sixteen, hell will be a place of remorse. The ultimate place of if only. So person in hell will know what they missed, what they passed up. They will know about the poor choices that they made, the foolishness of their life. Matthew 13:38 And the field is the world and as for the good seed these are the sons of the kingdom and the tares are the sons of the evil one and the enemy who sowed them is the devil and the harvest is the end of the age and the reapers are angels So just as the tares are gathered up and burned with fire so shall it be at the end of the age the son of man will send forth his angels they will gather out of his kingdom and all stumbling blocks and those who commit lawlessness and will throw them into the furnace of fire that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth weeping and gnashing of teeth weeping and gnashing of teeth is a uh, used in the book of Matthew but it's quotation from the Old Testament and the Hebrew of weeping and gnashing of teeth is it's what you do when you back into a car in a parking lot Uh, uh, why did I do that? it's regret So, can you think of what it's going to feel like knowing what could have been, what I could have done, knowing that for all eternity? 17, hell will be eternal. No end, no parole, no days off. My dad used to tell jokes. And the only problem with my dad's jokes is he only knew six. And so I heard the same six jokes from the time I was little all the way up until he died. And you could kind of tell when he was going to tell them because certain situations would lend itself to the joke being told. So I thought I might just tell you one of his jokes. Um, We would take breaks, coffee breaks. That's why I started drinking coffee. I couldn't take a break if I didn't drink coffee. So I started drinking coffee when I was like 12 years old so I could have a break. And so dad says, did you hear about the dude who died and went to hell? And we've heard it, but we said, no, tell us. Well, he w- got a tour. First room they went in, everybody is standing on their heads on red hot steel plates. Guy says, I, I'd just soon not go in that room. Okay, we'll try the next one. Go to the next room, everybody's standing on their head in broken glass. I don't want that room either. And it goes in the next room. Everybody's standing on their head with nails driven up. Uh uh-uh. uh. Goes to the next room. Everybody's standing knee deep in cow manure drinking coffee. The guy says, Well, it's kind of smelly in here, but at least they're standing on their feet. And he gets a cup of coffee and he starts chatting with somebody. And this demon comes in and says, Okay, coffee breaks over back on your heads. <laughs> <clears throat> So whenever we'd be out in the barn shoveling cow manured, dad's going to tell that story. <laughs> sure enough, no coffee breaks. 18, those headed for heaven will also be judged at the judgment seat of Christ. Now we're not at the great white throne judgment. It's only non-believers are in the great white throne judgment. Us, the church believers, are going to be at the judgment seat of Christ. You can't pass on that. Every one of us, without fail, will stand before Jesus and give an account of our life and be rewarded for what we've done with our life. Second Corinthians five ten. We must all we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. We must, me, you, everyone must appear before the judgment seat of Christ. That's only believers, only those in the family, so that each one may be recompensed, rewarded for his deeds in the body, according to what he has done, whether good or bad. Recompense. What have you earned? So I hire my grandkids all the time to work. And so the, the, one of the little guys, I said, here's the deal. If I have to tell you what to do all day long, I'm going to pay you $3.50 an hour. If I have to tell you what to do and you work really fast, I'll pay you 5 If you work really fast and walk over and say, Grandpa, I'm done. Can you have another job? I'll pay you 10 And if you look around and see what needs to be done and you go do it and work really hard and really fast, I'll give you $15. So when the day's over, I'll say, how much? And they will tell me 15 times whatever they worked. That's their recompense. If they looked around, saw what needed to be done, took initiative and worked fast, and they know if they did or not, but the difference between 10 and 15, I mean, even kids figure that out pretty quick. They get recompense for what they've done. We're going to stand before Jesus and be recompensed for what we've done with our life, rewarded. Um, and some will get a lot and some will get nothing. Matthew sixteen twenty-seven: the Son of Man is going to come in the glory of his Father with his angels and will then repay Every man according to his deeds. Romans 14:10 But you why do you judge your brother or you again why do you regard your brother with contempt? We will all stand before the judgment seat of God for it is written as I live says the Lord every knee shall bow to me every tongue shall give praise to God so then each one of us will give an account of himself to God. 19 God's grace does not cancel out his justice. You're in heaven by grace. Your rewards are not an issue of grace. Your rewards are an issue of diligence and faithfulness. Deuteronomy 32.3 For I proclaim the name of the Lord, ascribe greatness to our God, the rock. His work is perfect, for all his ways are just. A God of faithfulness and without injustice, righteous and upright is he. Genesis eighteen twenty-five. Far be it from you to do such a thing, to slay the righteous with the wicked, so that the righteous and the wicked are treated alike. Far be it from you, shall not the judge of all the earth deal justly. Psalms 97, 2, Clouds and thick darkness surround him. Righteousness and justice are the foundation of his throne. Number 20, Those who have lived a life of sacrifice and service will not be treated the same as those who have been selfish and lazy as believers. be kind of cool wouldn't it if you die and you stand before Jesus and he says okay what do you think shall I pay you three fifty an hour five dollars an hour ten dollars an hour fifteen dollars an hour twenty an hour how much do you think I should pay you as you think about your life uh, that'd be kind of a tough one wouldn't it I'd say thousand bucks an hour <laughs> try anyway huh <laughs> we will be rewarded on the basis of what we've done first corinthians three thirteen. each man's work will become evident the day will show it because it is to be revealed with fire fire itself will test the quality of each man's work if any man's work which he has built on it remains he will receive a reward if any man's work is burned up he will suffer loss but he himself will be saved, yet so is through fire, because we're saved by faith. Number twenty-two: the rewards that he gives us for our diligent and sacrificial lifestyle on earth will be amazing, worth working and sacrificing for. He didn't quite hear what somebody said. Did I go too fast? You want me to go back? Go back one, PowerPoint person. Okay. That was twenty one, twenty two. The rewards that he gives us for our diligent and sacrificial lifestyle on earth will be amazing, worth working, sacrificing for. You know what I hear all the time? I mean, all the time. I was reading, somebody said it the other day after one of my blogs on Facebook. I don't care about rewards. All I care about is getting into heaven. Give me a break. Do you know the difference between just getting in? Everything's burned up? You ever think about this? I don't know the answer to this one. But let's take the people that are in hell and you take the person that's clear up on the top. I mean, their judgment is less than they're right up there. How far away is that individual from the individual that's in heaven but has got zero rewards? I wonder how much distance there is between them. I'm thinking not much. Um, I mean, if you have the choice in this life to be rewarded when you get to heaven, that rewards will last forever and ever and ever and ever and ever and ever. Who in their right mind isn't going to want to earn rewards? Uh, I forgot where I was at. Uh, 23, there will be a vast difference in the amount of glory we receive from Jesus. Glory. we were created with glory. We're created for glory in the image and likeness of God. We all sin and fell short of the glory of God. We crave it. And when we get to heaven, we will be given glory by Jesus on the basis of what we've done for him Psalms 8, 3 through 5, when I consider your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon, the stars, which you have ordained, what is man that you take thought of him and the son of man that you care for him, yet you've made him just a little lower than God and you crown him with glory and majesty. Psalms 84, 11, for the Lord God is a sun and shield. The Lord gives grace and glory. The Lord gives grace and glory. No good thing does he withhold from those who walk uprightly. Or Lord of hosts, how blessed is the man who trusts in you, Romans eight eighteen. For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory that is to be revealed to us. First Corinthians fifteen forty one through forty two. There is one glory of the sun, another glory of the moon, another glory of the stars. Star differs from star in glory. So also is the resurrection of the dead. That's the way it is in heaven. We will differ in the amount of glory that we received in the basis of how we've lived our life. 2 Corinthians 3.18 But we all with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image, from glory to glory, just as from the Lord the Spirit. 1 Peter 5.4 When the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the unfading crown of glory. Of glory. 24 There will be a huge difference in our relationship with Jesus So when Jesus was here on the planet Earth, John was the beloved disciple. He was closer to Jesus than any of the others. Then there was Peter, James, and John. They got to go up on the Mount of Transfiguration and and other things with Jesus. And then there were the 12, ultimately the 11. And then there were 70 that were sent out by pairs. And then there was the 500 that he appeared to after he rose from the dead. That all were followers of him. And so you might say, okay, here's a group, and here's a group, and here's a group, and here's a group. Somebody's going to sit at the right hand of Jesus. It's Paul's ambition. That's his ambition. When he was living, he said that over and over. Um. I don't think I'm going to be at the right hand, but I'd like to be in within shouting distance. Hey Jesus, how you doing? And I don't want to be in Fargo, North Dakota. That's a long ways from Jerusalem in the kingdom. Luke 13:24. Strive to enter through the narrow door. That means live life with some diligence. For many, I tell you, will seek to enter and will not be able. Once the head of the house gets up and shuts the door, you begin to stand outside and knock on the door, saying, Lord, open up to us. He will answer and say to you, I do not know where you are from. Then you will begin to say, we ate and drank in your presence and taught in your streets. He will say, I tell you, I do not know where you are from. Depart from me. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth when you see Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and all the prophets in the kingdom of God, but yourself being thrown out, and they will come from east and west, from north and south, will recline at the table in the kingdom of God. Behold, some are last who will be first, and some are first who will be last. You know, he's not talking here about hell when he's talking about being uh, weeping and gnashing. He's talking about being outside the kingdom or Jerusalem or where Jesus is. He's talking about being in Fargo, North Dakota in the kingdom. Revelation three twenty one: He who overcomes, I will grant to him to sit down with me on my throne. As I also overcame and sat down with my father on his throne, he who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. He who overcomes, that means he who works really, really hard, serves well, I'll grant to him to sit down with me on my throne. 25, there will be a humongous difference in the level of joy we'll experience in heaven. Humongous, that's a theological term. Big, 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 big difference in the level of joy we experience when we get there. I'm going to start just having two blanks on my notes And never a long word with hard to spell. Humongous will never be underlined in the future notes. 27. There will be a very big difference in the glory we will receive from others. From others. Did I skip 26? Oh, 26. There will be many different kinds of occupations that we will do in heaven. Some will be awesome, and some will not be so awesome. Do you know how many times horses are mentioned in the kingdom of heaven? It's mentioned quite a bit. Now, I don't know if that's figurative for motorcycles. Hopefully. But if they're horses, somebody's got to shovel some horse poop. You want that job, Bill? Not me. 27, there'll be a very big difference in the glory we will receive from others. So somebody's in heaven because of you, they're going to walk up and say, oh, you're cool, you're wonderful, I love you, you're awesome. And it'll be an ongoing thing through eternity, giving glory to those who uh, were a key part in our growth and our life. We're going to know all of that well. First Thessalonians 2.19, Paul says, for who is our hope or joy or crown of exaltation? Is it not even you? In the presence of our Lord Jesus that is coming? For you are our glory and joy. Number 28, there will be a lot of remorse even in heaven. Because we'll realize what could have been, what we could have done. We will realize the poor choices we made when we were more interested in the world than in Jesus. More interested in stuff than we were in Serving him. Matthew eight twelve, the sons of the kingdom will be cast into the outer darkness. That's out away from the presence of Jesus. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. The sons of the kingdom. They're in the kingdom, they're just not next to Jesus. Weeping and gnashing of teeth. Oh man. I wish we could do it over again. Matthew 25, 30, Throw out the worthless slave into the outer darkness in that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. 29, there will be levels of authority given to us as we rule with Jesus. We're going to rule with him in the kingdom of Revelations 2.26, He who overcomes and he who keeps my deeds until the end to him, I will give authority. I will give authority over the nations, and he shall rule them with a rod of iron, as the vessels of the potter are broken to pieces, as I also have received authority from my Father. And I will give him the morning star. He who is an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. And number 30, There will be levels of possessions in, in eternity. Some of you will have no boats. No boats. That's going to be sad. Matthew 6, 19. Do not store up for yourself treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy, where thieves break in and steal. Store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys, where thieves do not break in and steal. Philippians 4:16 For even in Thessalonica you sent a gift more than once for my needs Paul speaking not that I seek the gift itself I seek for the profit which increases to your account the profit which increases to your account you have an account in heaven I have received everything in full and have an abundance I'm amply supplied having received from Epaphroditus what you have sent a fragrant aroma an acceptable sacrifice well pleasing to God So Life matters. You're not earning your way to heaven, but you are earning rewards once you get there that are going to make a huge difference. A huge difference forever. They're worth working for. They're worth sacrificing for. As James Eliot, most of you know about James Elliot, the one who was martyred in South America, in his book, Through Gates of Splendor, made the statement, he's no fool who gives up in this life what he can't keep to gain what he can keep in the next. Poor quote, but the general idea. And no fool who gives up in this life, which you can't keep anyway, to gain what you can keep forever in the next life. And so it's important that we're always evaluating and thinking about what we're doing with our life, with our time, with our resources, because that which is spent for Jesus in advancing his kingdom and serving him comes back. He says to his disciples, you don't even give a glass of water to a little child that you're not rewarded for it at the judgment seat. Um, There's no deed that we do in the name of Jesus that goes unrewarded, unnoticed. Um, But you got 24 hours in a day. And some of you are older than I am. And you don't have a lot of time. So it's a good time maybe to shift it into fourth gear and start making a few more sacrifices and good choices so that we do well when we stand before him And we'll hear him say, well done, good and faithful servant. Let's pray. Lord, thank you. Thank you for giving us your spirit to live in us. When we talk about serving you, we're not talking, Lord, about doing something in our own strength. You grant us the strength. You give us the resources. You open the doors. We just have to make the choice. And I pray that each of us would choose well as we manage our life and spend our time and our energy, and our resources in this world. That we would want what we do to count for eternity. We would choose accordingly. Help us, give us the wisdom to know what to do, and when to do it, and how to do it, so that we live a life that's pleasing to you. We love you in Jesus, then we pray. Amen.